Greetings from St Bride's Church, Fleet Street, here in the very heart of the City of London. We're delighted that you're able to join us for this act of worship. St Bride's is famous for its ministry to journalists, and behind me here you can see our journalists' commemorative altar. We are aware as never before of the dangers that those in the industry face when bringing us the news. So our journalists and all who work in the media are very much in our thoughts and prayers at this time. However, we are of course here for all of you, journalists and everyone else. Do please leave us a comment or a like and tell us where you're listening from. It's always good to hear from you. And if you would like to donate to help support these services, uh, you'll find details of how to do so in the accompanying text. But now, may the light and peace of Christ be with us all as our worship begins. God said to the rich man, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? It is a great delight to welcome you to St. Bride's to our choral Eucharist on this, the seventh Sunday after Trinity. Wherever you are in the world, and however you are listening to us, we hope that you will feel that you are very much part of the St. Bride's family. We begin with our opening prayer. Let us pray. Almighty God, to whom all hearts are open, 
all desires known, and from whom no secrets are hidden. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins, to be our advocate in heaven, and to bring us to eternal life. Let us confess our sins in penitence and faith, firmly resolved to keep God's commandments and to live in love and peace with all. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour in thought and word and deed, through negligence, through weakness, through our own deliberate fault. We are truly sorry and repent of all our sins. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past, and grant that we may serve you in newness of life, to the glory of your name. Amen.
Lord of all power and might, the author and giver of all good things, graft in our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, nourish us with all goodness, and of your great mercy, keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. A reading from the book of the prophet Hosea. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. The more I called them, the more they went from me. They kept sacrificing to the Baals and burning incense to idols. Yet it was I who taught Ephraim to walk. I took them up in my arms, but they did not know that I healed them. I led them with cords of compassion, with the bands of love, and I became to them as one who eases the yoke on their jaws, and I bent down to them and fed them. They shall return to the land of Egypt, and Assyria shall be their king because they have refused to return to me. The sword shall rage against their cities, consume the bars of their gates, and devour them in their fortresses. My people are bent on turning away from me, so they are appointed to the yoke, and none shall remove it. How can I give you up, O Ephraim? How can I hand you over, O Israel? How can I make you like Admar? How can I treat you like Zeboim? My heart recoils within me. My compassion grows warm and tender. I will not execute my fierce anger. I will not again destroy Ephraim. For I am God and not man, the Holy One in your midst. And I will not come to destroy. They shall go after the Lord, he will roar like a lion, yea, he will roar, and his sons shall come trembling from the west. They shall come trembling like birds from Egypt, and like doves from the land of Assyria. And I will return them to their homes, says the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. A reading from the letter to the Colossians. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. 
for you have died, and your life is hid with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these you once walked when you lived in them. But now put them all away, anger, wrath, malice, slander and foul talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old nature with its practices and have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there cannot be Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free man. But Christ is all and in all. This is the word of the Lord. Hear the Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Luke. One of the multitude said to him, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And he said to them, Take heed, and beware of all covetousness, 
for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought to himself, What shall I do, for I have nowhere to store my crops? And he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you, and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is he who lays up treasure for himself, and is not rich towards God. This is the Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the living God, Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Amen. One of the saddest and most unfortunate features of human life is the way in which families, even the most close-knit and functional of families, can be torn apart by an argument over inheritance. The task of dealing with a will and its consequences can divide siblings, drive a wedge between generations, and can split whole families right down the middle. And the saddest irony of all is that these arguments almost invariably take place following the death of a loved one, at the very point at which family members should be pulling together for mutual support rather than pulling apart. And this was true even in biblical times. The parable of the prodigal son begins with the younger son demanding his inheritance in advance, almost wishing his father was dead, and ends with his elder brother deeply resentful, feeling himself unfairly treated in the events that unfold. And in this morning's gospel, a man shouts to Jesus, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me. The entire plot of Charles Dickens' novel, Bleak House, revolves around a disputed inheritance in the case of Jarndyce versus Jarndyce, it really is an old, old story. And sadly, because my own work often involves dealing with death and its consequences, over the years I've seen a great deal of this at first hand, including, I have to say, within my own extended family. There can be few things more upsetting than seeing a relative whom you love and know well even the most generous-hearted and mild-mannered of individuals appearing to undergo a bizarre kind of character transformation as a direct consequence of their discovering the content of the will. But it's disconcertingly common. So why is it that the issue of inheritance can unleash such powerful and destructive forces amongst us? The first and most obvious thing to note relates to the point I made a moment ago, that disputes over inheritance normally occur in the direct aftermath of the death of someone close to us, when we're already vulnerable, vulnerable because of the pain of the bereavement itself, or because at some level any death inevitably brings us in touch with the hard reality of our own mortality if only at a, at a subconscious level, a reality that we may be profoundly reluctant to face. And the issue of inheritance can render us vulnerable in other ways too. How much did that parent really love me? Was I loved as much as my brother or my sister? How much was I valued when compared with that very helpful next-door neighbour who used to call in and do all the shopping? And suppose that a close relative bequeaths half of their fortune to, say, Battersea Dogs Home. If needy animals matter more than I do, 
Is that not concrete evidence of how little I really meant to that particular relative? Whereas, in fact, the true story may be very different from any of those scenarios. Because people often allocate their worldly goods for reasons that have nothing whatever to do with how much they loved or valued their nearest and dearest. They might choose to bequeath their wealth and possessions to the individual who most needs them, or who would value them most, or who would make best use of them. I know of a couple who chose to leave the bulk of their estate to a charity rather than to their son, not because they didn't love him, but because he was a young man who had no focus in life, no ambition, and little motivation and they were firmly convinced that they would be doing him no favours whatsoever by presenting him with a large amount of money which would simply enable him to perpetuate his aimless and self-indulgent lifestyle. And perhaps the most dark and difficult feature of all is that when our defences are down, those parts of our inner life that we normally keep well hidden, even from ourselves, can suddenly manifest themselves big time. Our selfishness, our greed, our pride, our envy, our covetousness, all these things suddenly bubble to the surface. And we may then find ourselves trying to conceal such forces by attributing false motives to everyone else, even those whom we had previously loved and trusted. And for what? For material gain. And when that happens, we really are in deep mire. In today's Gospel reading, when the man cries out to Jesus, Teacher, bid my brother divide the inheritance with me, Jesus responds with these words. Take heed and beware of all covetousness, for a man's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. And he then goes on to tell the parable of the rich man who built bigger and bigger barns in which to store his abundant crops as his wealth increased. The more he had, the more he wanted, storing it all up until at the very end of the story, he drops dead, surrounded by all these barns full of crops. Ultimately, they were of no benefit to him whatsoever. All of which reminds me of the story of the stupendously wealthy man whose death was reported in the newspaper. How much did he leave, someone inquired, to which the answer came, all of it. A final little story for you. After my grandmother died, my dad, who did not appear to have an ounce of sentimentality in his being, presented me with a small cardboard box of some of her possessions and said, in effect, it's basically a pile of rubbish, take whatever you want and throw the rest out. And at the bottom of that box, I came across a small and rather battered container, which had inside my grandmother's gold jewellery. She didn't have very much, but there were a few rings and a locket, none of it of any value whatsoever. But those things had always been very precious to her, and for me were actually a special reminder of her. I desperately wanted to keep them because they did feel very special, but in truth I felt rather uneasy about doing so because I wasn't entirely certain that they were really mine to have. I was pretty sure that my dad hadn't known that her jewellery was in that box when he gave it to me. But also the little locket contains photos of him and his brother as young boys so I rather thought it should belong to him. So even though the tempting thing to do was to keep the jewellery and say nothing, or insist that because he had said I could have anything in the cardboard box, it was I was entitled to them, they were mine, I didn't actually feel comfortable doing either. So with a slightly heavy heart, I told him about the jewellery and asked if he would like to have it back. His response rendered me speechless. Yeah, give them back to me, he said. You never know, they might be worth a bob or two. 
I was genuinely shocked and actually very upset that he could even think of those, those things in terms of their material wealth, which would have been minuscule in any case. But by this stage, I had no option but to hand them back, so I resolved to try and suppress all my outrage and disappointment and just try to forget all about it. Now, fast forward 20 years to the death of my own father. I can't now remember the precise sequence of events, but at some stage, when his own goods and chattels were being sorted out, some of which eventually found their way back into my possession, I received a large brown envelope which turned out to contain, yes, you've guessed it, my grandmother's jewellery, including that very special golden locket all those years later. Clearly, for whatever reason, he hadn't sold it after all. I used to find the biblical phrase, cast your bread upon the waters, rather puzzling, and I'm still not entirely sure that I understand the image. But I do now feel that I know what it means. Sometimes we're called to do a very difficult but courageous thing, which is to let go of something that matters to us, even when we believe it to be rightfully or justly ours, to hand it over absolutely and definitively and to relinquish all claims over it. But the peculiar thing is that within the bizarre and topsy-turvy economy of God, such things do have a strange habit of coming back to us in due course, often with added value. For me, in that little story about the jewellery, the added value was the simple fact that, second time round, I was able to take possession of those gold rings and that little golden locket which so powerfully reminded me of my grandmother, but to do so without any lingering sense of guilt about having them. And for me, they are a far more precious gift as a result. Where matters of inheritance are concerned, we must always tread with great care, because we are all human and we are all vulnerable. But above all, we must protect ourselves from the seductive power of wealth and possessions and the desire for ownership, which can so easily poison and distort our lives and ruin even our closest relationships. Because, as Jesus tells us, take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Amen. Let us now stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made, for us and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. 
we look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Let us pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, alas, people the world over are facing many of the same problems you encountered and, indeed, considered when you so courageously walked among us over 2,000 years ago. Then, as now, there is famine, slavery and warmongering. Then, as now, there are rulers and those vying to reign over us, marred by blurred eyesight when confronted with the suffering of those whose lives they watch over. Then, as now, there is the sexual exploitation of women. Regard for women is chattel, and women denied equality with men of choices and opportunities. Raised consciousness hits barriers to change. Help us, dear Lord, to learn to treat all women with dignity, and may you stride in spirit in our villages, towns, cities and remote lands, encouraging us to love our neighbours as we would ourselves. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for the school children who in the summer holidays will have little food to eat and may not have the chance to run and frolic by the sea, collect seashells and build sandcastles, wade in the clear, cool water. We pray for the people of the Ukraine and all those trapped in conflict. May their human rights be respected and the oppressors retreat in shame, realising the true victory is harmony. We pray for all those working in the media who risk their lives, braving the torment of conflict to bring us news of strife on the ground. We pray for all those highlighting justice in our institutions who intend to publish all the news that's fit to print and do not shy away from uncomfortable truths. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. We pray for all those in our Christian community who are denigrated for believing in the Apostles' Creed, hoping critics would realise that Christianity is not just above about Gospels, history, letters and prophecies. It is about the spirit of community made radiant by our faith, a phenomenon of inestimable value. We pray for our congregation at home and online, the new friends we have made across the sea through the internet. We pray for Alison and Jeff and Steve Morris, who assist at our services. We welcome our new verger, Nadira Wallace, and appreciate her principled concern for our environment. May she be happy with us. We pray for our choir, our organist, our director of music, our staff, Robin, our senior verger. In our post-COVID world, dear Lord, there are still many who feel baffled and isolated by the changes in our lives that have emerged, new ways of living and working. Help them to find friendships, fresh ones, enjoy the beauty of camaraderie imbued with the spirit of Christianity once again. But friendship does not just arrive on the doorstep, ringing the bell. We must reach out say the first line with a smile and have faith that there will be many replies. Merciful Father, accept these prayers for the sake of your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Will you please stand? Christ is our peace. He has reconciled us to God in one body by the cross. We meet in his name and we share his peace. The peace of the Lord be always with you.
Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this bread to offer, which earth has given and human hands have made. It will become for us the bread of life. Blessed be God forever. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. Through your goodness we have this wine to offer, fruit of the vine and work of human hands. It will become our spiritual drink. Blessed be God forever. It is indeed right, it is our duty and our joy, at all times and in all places, to give you thanks and praise. Holy Father, Heavenly King, Almighty and Eternal God, through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord. For he is your living word. Through him you have created all things from the beginning and formed us in your own image. Through him you have freed us from the slavery of sin, giving him to be born of a woman and to die upon the cross. You raised him from the dead and exalted him to your right hand on high. Through him you have sent upon us your holy and life-giving spirit and made us a people for your own possession. Therefore, with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, we proclaim your great and glorious name, forever praising you and singing.
Accept our praises, Heavenly Father, through your Son, our Saviour, Jesus Christ. And as we follow his example and obey his command, grant that by the power of your Holy Spirit, these gifts of bread and wine may be to us his body and his blood, who in the same night that he was betrayed took bread and gave you thanks. He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and gave you thanks. He gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Therefore, Heavenly Father, we remember his offering of himself made once for all upon the cross. We proclaim his mighty resurrection and glorious ascension. We look for the coming of his kingdom, and with this bread and this cup, we make the memorial of Christ, your Son, our Lord. Great is the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Accept through him, our great high priest, this our sacrifice of thanks and praise. And as we eat and drink these holy gifts in the presence of your divine majesty, renew us by your spirit, inspire us with your love, and unite us in the body of your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Through him, and with him and in him, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, with all who stand before you in earth and heaven, we worship you, Father Almighty, in songs of everlasting praise. Blessing and honour and glory and power be yours for ever and ever. Amen. Let us pray with confidence as our Saviour has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. We break this bread to share in the body of Christ. Though we are many, we are one body, because we all share in one bread. Draw near with faith. Receive the body of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he gave for you, and his blood, which he shed for you. Eat and drink in remembrance that he died for you, and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. We do not presume to come to this your table, merciful Lord, trusting in our own righteousness, but in your manifold and great mercies. We are not worthy so much as to gather up the crumbs under your table, but you are the same Lord, whose nature is always to have mercy. Grant us therefore, gracious Lord, so to eat the flesh of your dear Son, Jesus Christ, and to drink his blood, that our sinful bodies may be made clean by his body, and our souls washed through his most precious blood, and that we may evermore dwell in him, and he in us. Amen.
Let us pray. Lord God, whose Son is the true vine and the source of life, ever giving himself that the world may live, may we so receive within ourselves the power of his death and passion that, in his saving cup, we may share his glory and be made perfect in his love, for he is alive and reigns now and forever. Amen. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your Spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Amen. which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. Amen. Amen.